0: We're going back to the 87 World Series, except those teams are about to get bullpinned. This is where the music would go, obviously. This is a pilot show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bullpen, where we take a look at a classic team. I feel so old saying that because we're looking at 80s teams, probably some 70s, 60s, and maybe the early 90s. It's really tough to pin down when this trend started, then we'll run them through the bullpinned. Roster system. You see, nowadays teams carry 12, 13, at times 14 pitchers at a time. Teams in the 80s would carry 10 pitchers. That's it. I mean, the 86 Mets use 12 pitchers all year, like the whole season. I'm pretty sure some teams carry more than 12 pitchers every day of the season. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get to the 86 Mets another day. We're going to do the pilot episode with, of course, a couple of favorites around here. The 87 Twins and their opponents, the 87 St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, that was an epic World Series played with 10 pitchers and seven bench spots in the National League, six in the American League because of the DH and all that. But what if they had to play in the modern era? What if they had to get bullpened and some of those guys on the bench... They got to go. Well, let's find out who would go, or at least it's kind of an interesting thought experiment. That's kind of the whole point of the show, kind of a thought experiment to look back at these old rosters and see who stays, who goes. So let's first look at the 87 St. Louis Cardinals. We'll save the best for last since they did win the World Series that year. Let's look at the St. Louis Cardinals, your lineup for the Cardinals that year. Tony Pena behind the plate around the infield, Jack Clark, Tommy Hur, Ozzie Smith, and Terry Pendleton at third. Across the outfield, left to right, Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, and Kurt Ford listed as the right fielder here. But you can make a strong argument for a couple of guys, actually. Right field was kind of a rotating mess that year for the St. Louis Cardinals. But what about that bench, of course? The team in the National League could carry a lot of bench guys with only 10 pitchers at 7 bench players. And their most frequent bench players... Super Utility Man, Jose Okendo. By the way, if Jose Okendo played in 2020, that guy would make some serious money. He can play every position. He can pitch. He can pitch well. So, yeah, he'd be a valuable guy. Jim Lindemann, Steve Lake, John Morris. Uh, They list Dan Dreesen here, but he was a late-season call-up because of the injuries to Jack Clark. Young Lance Johnson got some time out there. Also, old Tito Landrum. Maybe infielding Rod Booker and Tom Pagnazzi, in his younger days, only 24, got into 27 games that year. And there were a handful of other guys, too. But this is bullpenned, so guys, you got to shave that down to four. All right, first up, you got to keep a backup catcher. In this case, that would be Steve Lake. He appeared in 74 games for the Cardinals that year. Two home runs and 19 RBIs and 251. You know, that's not too bad for a backup catcher in the decade of the 80s. You need a backup infielder, and you got Jose Oquendo for that. I mean, like I said, that guy plays every position, and he pitches. He actually played a lot. He had 312 at-bats, which is not too bad for a guy. Actually hit 286 that year. That was one of his better years. He was not frequently known as a very strong hitter. And, of course, you got to have your backup outfielder. In this case, they had two of them, Jim Lindemann and John Morris. John Morris was more of your backup all-around outfielder. Jim Lindemann could also play first base, and he was more of the pinch hitter guy. I'm guessing when they had a DH, that would be the guy they would go to. Since in the World Series, they had to go with Dan Dreesen and Jim Lindemann at first because of the injury to Jack Clark, who was a bit injury-prone later in his career. So there, there you go. We shaved it down. Lake Lindemann, Okendo, and Morris. Sorry, Lance Johnson, Tito Landrum, Rod Booker, Tom Pagnazzi, and Tom Lawless. Tom Lawless only had 19 games that year for the St. Louis Cardinals. He hit 080, but man, did he hit a massive home run in St. Louis in that World Series, with also one of the more epic bat flips of uh, unexpected World Series home runs. But you know what? We looked at the hitting side of the equation. What about the pitching side of the equation? The Cardinals' primary 10 pitchers that season were Danny Cox, Greg Matthews, Bob Forsh, Joe McGrain, and John Tudor in the starting rotation. Bullpen of Ken Daly, Pat Perry, Bill Dolly, Ricky Horton, and Todd Worrell. But now you got to add, you know, three, maybe four more pitchers. So who else could get involved in this? Well, they also had some guys come up and pitch a little bit. Lee Tonnell pitched a bit. Tim Conroy appeared in 10 games. Dave Lapointe appeared in six games that season for the Cardinals. Ray Soff, 28-year-old journeyman, appeared in a handful of games. Also some young guys, Steve Peters, Scott Terry, Randy O'Neal, and like I said, Jose Okendo. although that year he did not pitch extremely well. So, what about in the minor leagues? Would any of these guys gotten a chance that didn't? Yeah, there were a few guys who might have gotten called up during the season that weren't, like Joe Baver, Baver the Sabre as he was sometimes called, expert with the palm ball, he would pitch in the majors with the Braves more but he actually had 21 saves at AAA Louisville, so he might have gotten some time. Rick Grape-Thin, another pitcher, 29-year-old with 55 appearances that season down in the minors. Bill Early, another guy who, uh, 31, but he might have gotten into some games that season with St. Louis if they needed to shuttle some guys up and down. And a couple of guys who never made it to the major leagues, like Chuck McGrath, Jose Calderon, and Rich, oh dear, Buenantoni. We'll say those are some guys who might have gotten to pitch who uh, previously did not, which is another thing we're going to look at possible pitchers who might have gotten a chance to pitch in the major leagues had the current roster trends been around in the 80s. Because, yeah, teams these days shuttle pitchers around so much. Some teams go through like 30 pitchers a year. So some of these guys might have gotten called up that were not previously. Now, let's look at those 87 twins y'all know and love. Now, baseball reference has an interesting thing here. but We'll get to that in a second. We'll run through the lineup as it's listed here. It's Tim Laudner behind the plate. Of course, you know the infield from first to third. Ken Herbeck, Steve Lombardozzi, Greg Gagne at short, Gary Guy at third. Dan Gladden, Kirby Puckett, and Tom Bernanski across the outfield. They list Roy Smalley as the primary DH on this team, and in the World Series, he did not DH a lot. But then again, they also acquired Don Baylor at the trade deadline, which complicates things a little bit, but not too much. So, okay, we'll go with baseball reference here with Roy Smalley, which actually makes sense because you'd want to keep Roy Smalley on this team. Because along with being a DH, the guy can play short third and first, maybe second if you're desperate. So that's almost like sneaking another infielder onto the team. The bench for this team, well, it was a bench. We had Randy Bush, Al Newman, Gene Larkin, Mark Davidson, Sal Butera, and Don Baylor and a few other guys who appeared in a handful of games, mostly backup catchers before the Twins settled on Sal Butera as the main backup going into the postseason. But we got to cut it down to three. Like, remember, if we're saying the Twins are carrying, uh, we'll say they're carrying 13 pitchers at a time. We'll give them a break. We won't cut it down to just two guys. But who at three are going to stay? Well, obviously, you're going to keep Randy Bush, because you can make a solid argument that Bush probably should have been listed as the DH in this situation. But he can also play the corner outfield spots. He's got some power. got a little bit of speed. Al Newman is your backup infielder. I mean, you're already carrying Roy Smalley as your DH, quote-unquote, on this team. So it would make sense to carry a guy like Al Newman, who is more about defense than offense. And you need a backup catcher. So, yeah, you got to go with Sal Butera. you got to give him that job. And that's 12 guys. That's it. Those are all your hitters. That's all you get. For you young fans out there who maybe don't know the 87 twins as much as some of us old timers do, Gene Larkin would not make this team, which is weird. But it's also weird that Gene Larkin got to play. You think Gene Larkin could have been a twin in this day and age? He's a DH first baseman and not a starting one. He's a backup DH first baseman. This is the 8, you know, like I said, you could carry seven, six, seven guys on your bench back then. So yeah, you had room to carry a guy like Gene Larkin. I mean, he was a solid hitter. You know, he was decent. But, yeah, there's no room for backup first baseman anymore. Also, backup outfielder Mark Davidson, the fifth outfielder for the Twins that year. Yeah, it wouldn't be room for that guy. So that guy would get cut off as well. You'd probably shave your pitching staff down to 12 for the postseason, maybe, when you acquire a guy like Don Baylor. That's just my two cents there. That was an interesting move that kind of paid off for them. All right, running to the pitching staff, the primary 10 pitchers the Twins used that season. Bert Blylevin, Frank Viola, Les Straker, Mike Smithson, and Joe Necro, your starting rotation. Bullpen with Dan Schatzeter, Keith Atherton, George Frazier, Juan Berenguer, and Jeff Reardon as the closer. Of course, if you're going to expand this a little bit, that means you might need some guys to fill out those other pitching spots, since we're going to have a 13-person pitching staff now. Mark Portugal, at 24, made some appearances for the Twins that year. So did Joe Klink, a young Roy Smith, uh, future twin, Alan Anderson. He made some appearances that year. Jeff Bittiger made three appearances for the Twins that year. He had a great year at AAA. So those guys could have shuttled around. But who, from the 87 Portland Beavers, might have found their way to the major leagues? Because, yeah, teams shuffle a lot of guys up and down to the minor leagues. Well, couple guys who never made it to the Major Leagues might have, like Daryl Higgs, Kevin Trudeau, Steve Gomez. I mean, their stats weren't great, but, yeah, the uh, Pacific Coast League is not known for great pitching stats. It's very much a hitter's league. But those three guys seemed like they were fairly solid at the A level. Of course, veteran Randy Neiman pitched a lot for the Twins in the Minor Leagues, just briefly in the Major Leagues, so he probably would have seen a little more time with the Major League Club, especially being a left-hander. Some uh, guys who didn't pitch that great, Jeff Perry and Mark Clemens, They had ERAs in the 6th range for AAA, but yeah, they also had some other veterans down there. Terry Forster made some appearances down there and tried to catch on. Bill Latham, who would later pitch in the major leagues, also had a little time down there in AAA for the Twins that year. But yeah, a few other guys might have cycled up and down if Mr. Tom Kelly had to carry 13. Can you imagine Tom Kelly managing a team in this day and age? Kind of boggles the mind. Anyway, that was our look at two teams getting bullpened, Looking back at some classic teams, but applying modern roster sensibilities. Maybe we'll eventually add another person on the show. I think some interplay could work. Maybe the concept could use a little refining. Do you think this is something you might listen to occasionally? Let me know in the comments, please. And that's it for the pilot episode of Bullpenned. Thanks for listening, everybody.